fraternal greetings and a warm welcome to you. We're glad that you could join us on the Ashlers podcast, a space for the world's oldest fraternity to shine some light through Masonic paper readings, discussions, interviews, and more. Freemasonry is so old that our lifetime wouldn't be enough to capture its grandeur in the entirety. However, all things great should begin somewhere, and so we are thrilled to start off with season one, which will focus on Freemasonry and its roots in India, one state at a time. As a disclaimer. The thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely of the participants and do not represent any official positions including those of any grand lodge or constitutions thereof best efforts have been made to keep the conversation on the level for brethren and non-masons alike hello and welcome back to the ashlers we are back with a bang folks and this time we are going to be covering telangana state now this was formerly known as andhra pradesh it was a much bigger you know piece of land but then it got bifurcated very recently and today we have hmm. andhra pradesh and we have telangana so before we jump into it let me start off with giving a little bit of um, you know idea about the word telangana now uh, it derives its uh, you know word from the sri lanka desa that is what it is typically you know it was known as and it means the land of three lingas why because it's a region where three important shaivite shrines or shrines dedicated to the hindu lord shiva are present namely kaleshwaram sri selam and draksharma um rene she want to add more to this yes uh, thank you uh, shishir for adding that point but there is also one more answer according to a former director of andhra pradesh oriental manuscripts library and research center the name telangana is actually of a gondi origin and he asserts that it is derived from telangad which according to him means south in gondi and has been referred to in the gondi script dating back to almost about 2000 years but i think you uh, shishir you found some information about how when this word was used or how old this word is yeah you know um one of the earliest uses of this word or a word similar to telangana can also seen in the name of malik makbul this is way back in the 14th century who was also known as the telangani meaning someone who's from the land of telangana what more rinesh Well, Telangana actually has a very rich history. It was governed by many rulers, including the Mauryas, Satvahanas, Vakataka, Chalukya, Rashtrakuta, Kakatiya, the Delhi Sultanate, the Recharlas and Musunuri Nayaks, the Bahmani Sultanate, Vijayanagar Empire, Kutub Shahi Dynasty, and there is an interesting note about that. Then finally, the Mughal Empire, and it ends with Asaf Jahi Dynasty, which again is something which everybody. all of our listeners should know about that is actually the asab jahi dynasty obviously was the last one and uh, when india became independent from the british empire in 1947 the the nizam of hyderabad who was part of the asab jahi dynasty he did not want to merge with the indian union and obviously wanted to remain independent uh, 
Shishir will actually add why it was the case. But things turned in September 1948 when Hyderabad state became part of India. Now the uh, state of you know Andhra Pradesh of Telangana, you know, basically the area under the Asaf Jahi dynasty, it was rich, it was huge, it had an army of its own, it could easily sustain itself independently. But you know, being landlocked, so to speak. uh with the rest of india which was you know emerging out of the british empire uh they still wanted to resist and not join the government of india however mm-hmm. the government you know did an operation called operation polo wherein the well unfortunate for the nizam their untrained army was easily defeated <laughs> and the nizam had to finally accede and join the government but i think uh, the nizam still hold a titular role till the end i think you have some more details about what the nizam actually was because this nizam is really interesting oh yeah so you know uh, i i was searching for some facts about the last nizam of hyderabad and there's a ton of it so you know this episode is not about the nizam it's more about masonry which we will be coming to uh but you know there are certain really interesting things about this guy which i would like to share with the listeners and i'm sure you guys will find this interesting now i've already mentioned right he was one of the richest uh kingdoms in the land but how rich well let me give you an idea he was given the title of the richest man in south asia until his death and he Whoa. owned one of the most precious diamonds known as jacob diamond it was worth in crores back then even today imagine how it would be worth today if it was worth crores in those days right not only that he also introduced like he was quite progressive it seems he introduced facilities like electricity transport system and what not he also was a big uh, philanthropist he built numerous institutions gave charity so that people could get some education and here's the kicker and this is something that blew my mind so this guy <laughs> he had an ostrich sized diamond worth 50 million pounds and he used it as a paperweight dinesh i would love to go to his office i don't know about you <laughs> okay i can actually just come up and say sir i just need a paperweight from you that's more than enough <laughs> or maybe that stack of paper let me take care of that <laughs> yeah let me take care of that yeah <laughs> but that's interesting that's interesting because this this literally showcases his uh oh uh, like, like what kind of a person he must have been because he had so much of riches and by the way as i said listeners if you actually spend some time on reading its wikipedia page itself right you will be blown away with the amount of things which he had and what all he had actually done during his time uh even that operation polo right it's not like after the operation polo he was having a very bad image about what has happened like i lost everything yes he definitely did lose everything but it did not uh, it did not actually make him feel bad in the sense of saying that okay well you know what i'm i'm just going into recluse he still continued being a part as like a public servant he continued his work he was obviously meeting the government officials he helped some of them in some shape or form something or the else was happening by the way we spoke so much about the nizam but we never told you the name his name was mir usman ali khan he was the titular role which he actually had was asaf jah the 7th he was part of the asaf jai dynasty i'll try to bring the masonic aspect of it well behold he was actually a freemason and this is where it becomes interesting now mir osman ali khan's father was mir mehboob ali khan and uh, by the way 
uh, listeners and obviously many people uh, who almost have or who have actually known about this the freemasons in hyderabad meet at a place called gosha mahal baradari which was actually owned by the asabjai dynasty i think shishir you had heard something about gosha mahal baradari right yeah so it is having the amazing title of being the oldest masonic building in the world yes so now let me bring what exactly how did that happen considering that when we were listening right from the beginning of our uh, our, our season right that when freemasonry anyway came with the british how did we end up having the oldest masonic building in the world well this building goshamal baradari was not actually built by obviously uh, asabjah's family it was actually built by the qutub shahi rulers back in 1682 qutub shah the last qutub shahi ruler sultan abul hasan tana he ruled up till 1684 very interesting fact about this which i came to know today and uh, well i think i must have known about it but somehow it never stick till the whole story comes into place now when aurangzeb wanted to obviously rule over the golconda region and sorry the uh, the deccan plateau he obviously was uh, facing a biggest hurdle which was the qutub shahi ruler sultan abul hasan tana and he came to know that he is obviously stationed at golconda fort the same golconda fort which we actually end up visiting in case if you are doing a tour of the city now if you notice if you ever go there and you speak with any of those guides they will tell you how golconda fort was one of those richest fort during its time and aurangzeb wanted that fort sultan abul hasan tana he was like i don't care i have all what i need and i can take care of my people and i can take care of my kingdom and he gave a tough resistance to the fact that aurangzeb was almost like really frustrated that how the hell am i supposed to destroy this guy or destroy his part and that's when he come came up with a very brilliant idea of spreading rumors among the people that you are not happy under your own ruler very convenient right and that's when people started talking about ill about them i said you know what yeah i am absolutely sure this is not happening that's not happening this is not going right that is not going right that is what the spread of information was and that is where the hindi word tana shahi comes or takes its existence poor chap he actually did everything good he was one of those really good rulers and look at it in today's date the word tana shahi is considered as really bad so i just always wonder that there's something weird about this word because uh, i don't know what is tana but shahi typically means royal right yes so <laughs> you know again coming from a mogul kind of a dialect um and today even i got to know that tana shahi comes from sultan abul hasan tana shah you know yes so this <laughs> rule literally was transformed into something so negative that we got a word out of it not only that guys and if you if you you know if you look into this it shows the power of word of mouth you know yes. sometimes your best marketing machinery you know uh, your billboards and all may not work but a little rumor or a just simple word of mouth which may be positive also may really mm-hmm. turn things around which brings mm-hmm. me to an important little point for all the listeners here if you really love our show please spread the word yes <laughs> that was an awkward segue <laughs> but yeah i couldn't help myself yeah shameless plug but that's good <laughs> but you got to be Yes. So, coming back to the Goshamal Baradari, uh the name Baradari in uh, Urdu, Bara is literally the number 12, Dari is door. This building actually has 12 doors, three on each sides. 
that is actually designed in such a manner so that the flow of air right basically you will have a very airy place you don't need to worry about opening certain stuff and all and this was actually used obviously it came under the hands of the mughal dynasty and from there the asad jahis dynasty so finally it ended up obviously with mir mehboob ali khan now here's an interesting story of how goshamal baradari became part of freemasonry it actually became part of freemasonry in 1872 as i said the building was built in 1682 So obviously, from 1618, 1600, it was not obviously a Masonic building, but from 1800, it did. But obviously, the building was built that old, and hence the the oldest building title or the oldest Masonic building title goes to Goshamal Baradari. Now, here's a very interesting story. Back in those days, all the princely rulers. Now, this is obviously I'm talking about after the first war of Indian independence. So, Queen Elizabeth obviously became the uh, sorry, Queen Victoria became the head. So, she obviously was taking over all of those stuff, and uh, uh, most of the princely rulers had to get certain taxes, and those taxes have to go. Now, some of these provinces were really rich. Hyderabad state, uh, which was obviously called at that time, was one of those richest state. Mysore state was also one of those richest state, and there was one more state in uh, one more province in the north of India, which again was very rich. Now the rulers of these states obviously were given due credit or due respect. Now there is something called as a gun salute, which every uh, uh, big heads actually get even today. Like for example, our president, our prime minister, they do get these gun salutes. Especially if you have seen the uh, recent Republic Day celebration, there is a certain gun salute given to the president. So similarly, back in those days. the kings or oh sorry the princely ruler the uh, the rulers of these provinces and all also used to get a gun salute now there was a small error in the way the gun salute was uh, given so the province of north of india uh, the jodhpur if i'm not wrong actually got 21 gun salute the mysore ruler also got a 21 gun salute mehboob ali khan unfortunately did not get a 21 gun salute because of some clerical error he was getting less now for a person who is a ruler it does not look nice because you are suddenly being uh, what do you call uh, uh, like pushed into one side saying that you even though you actually have a big province you still are not getting that kind of a gunsel so he was kind of upset about it now this is where a british guy a british person who was living in hyderabad who was stationed in hyderabad who also happened to be a freemason came to his help while discussing about certain administrative topic Mir Mehboob Ali Khan. By the way, Mir Mehboob Ali Khan is the father of Mir Osman Ali Khan, the Nizam which uh, Shishir was talking about. So Mir Mehboob Ali Khan informed him about this, and obviously he was not happy that saying that this is not good. So obviously the, the British Freemason actually kind of got an idea that maybe there was a clerical error, and he said that I don't worry, I will help you with these things. But obviously I would request something from you, and if you can help me, and that's when he gave this asked something, which was. as freemasons in the state of hyderabad in the hyderabad state itself uh, they wanted a place to meet where they can actually hold their meetings so he asked him is there any place which you can help us where sorry is there any place which you can give us or maybe renters or something like that which where we can hold our masonic meetings mir mehboob ali khan i'm pretty sure did not understand what freemasonry is all about at that moment for him it was more about okay this guy can help me he can scratch my back let me scratch his back simple as that so he agreed to it and that's how goshamal baradari came to freemasons and the british freemason was true to his word he wrote he sent that information to uh, uh, uk or to to the british kingdom and obviously told them that there is a clerical error look at the province look at the amount of taxes which he is generating you guys you just must have messed up can you just please rectify that 
and behold during the next big darbar or some uh, work was happening mir mehboob ali khan got his 21 gun salute and i think and shishir i think this might be one of the reason why his son mir usman ali khan thought highly about freemasonry and he must have joined freemasonry because of that what do you think it could be possible see now again going into the speculative mode i think we should have some sound effect to you know signal that okay this is speculation but two things <laughs> what i can say right one hmm. is maybe they truly saw that there is something really positive and going beyond scratch my back and you scratch whatever you know that's back scratching thing going beyond that let's say there was genuinely something positive that they found cool. in that mm-hmm. and they said that yeah this is good so my you know uh, son should also get into it and maybe that's how that happened or it could also be like hey there's a lot of benefit in this bro <laughs> so what do you know exactly <laughs> so, yeah because uh, all, uh, all the big shots are actually there in that group so exactly. might as well be there and so, and by the way during that time also it's not like only the big shots were there the common folks who were able to join and be part of it they were also able to do that and hyderabad being a state with such a rich heritage and culture i am pretty sure big businessmen and all they might have been part of it i won't be surprised you know and again we have to keep in mind guys that you know humans being humans there will always be some malice somewhere around or there might also be a lot of positive somewhere around so you know we are talking about things that happened generations decades like centuries yes. you know ago from us so you never know if this entire thing came up more as a way to smooth and you know, grease things out and you know just make it a little more easier like a rich man's club sort of a thing maybe that's how they saw it and mm. who knows you know we are again speculating here maybe we are wrong yeah. maybe we are right yeah um, There's one thing I want to I, add. There's one thing I want to just add, uh, Rinesh. Uh, hmm. Going back to the Baradari thing, you know, I'll just add one more instance. So there is mm-hmm. a Baradari even in Lucknow, right? Oh. Uh, yeah, there is a Baradari in Lucknow, but nowhere close to the Goshamahal Baradari Hall or anything. Uh, this yeah. Baradari is situated near the Bhatkande Music Institute in Lucknow, and okay. this one is used as a typical marriage hall by you know the locals. but it's mm-hmm. a huge open place lots of doors so again bringing the point where you mentioned right 12 doors so i just want to highlight that too that this is typical of the moghals and i'm sure there'll be more baradaris i'm just talking about the one i'm aware of but yeah that is something you know an architectural thing coming from the moghals directly yeah rinesh over to you yes yes okay and j- by the way not just that okay that like mehboob ali khan's topic uh, which we were talking about and mir osman ali khan even his prime minister Salar Jung the 3rd he too was a freemason and by the name Salar Jung itself most of the people who have who are from Hyderabad would obviously understand the Salar Jung museum is dedicated to all the things which Salar Jung 3rd has ever got by the way if you ever visit that place please do visit one small section well actually it's not a small section it's a really good section and with huge section which has Salar Jung's masonic regalia pins and pictures there we i got the opportunity to visit there and obviously we all were freemasons we were standing there with the guide and then we asked the guide i i think i'm i'm sorry but the poor chap actually did not know much about freemasonry and that's i think is the sad part that freemasonry being so important in the history of uh, hyderabad state still the but the guide actually did not know anything so when we stood in front of him and we asked him about it uh, can you just explain us what exactly this is and he was like uh th- these are some of the army stuff which he would have got and we were like army 
seriously what is the what is the connection between army and freemasonry but anyway can't help it so he did not know about it and we just continued with that but that is exactly uh, if you ever visit salarjang museum which by the way is not a days venture it's literally a week venture it has so many things which salarjang the third has ever collected from all over the places so please do visit it and obviously if you get the opportunity stand in front of the masonic section where you will find different regalia pins pictures everything including some of the orders which we might not even know about and uh, which which obviously is not very common uh, at that time but uh, which is actually uh, easily recognizable today fascinating looks like this guy has been busy collecting stuff <laughs> oh, you should actually see those mechanical uh, there, there is one mechanical clock which uh, i i don't know exact name but we all sit in front of it around at 12 when that musical clock is actually chimes 12 times and all of us just sit over there just to see that there is one wooden statue with a front uh, the front is actually of a man and the back of the statue is of a lady and like and obviously you can't uh, you, you have a mirror behind it and you can actually see the intricate designs god knows where he actually was able to collect all these things and by far the most beautiful marble statue of a lady which y- you just have to see it there is no there are no words to explain how that statue looks like fascinating and you know sometimes i really wonder that the um, not just the ancient past but even the distant past has um you know certain items like this that baffle people like people wonder how did they do it yes. <laughs> but you know what there are certain aspects to doing a work with your full dedication that you might surprise yourself even as a creator that hey i did True. this and i think you know there was no automation during those days there were no automated uh, you know saw mills or anything people literally spent time cutting a rock in half they would have spent a week time but they made sure that they cut it in half and not like 67 <laughs> you know something like that right i think yeah. uh, all right i think that is that is what uh, even we as freemasons need to remember that when we are talking about building a life it, it there are no sh- we shouldn't be trying to use shortcuts unnecessary shortcuts we should actually concentrate on our work concentrate on our life and make make ourselves better and hopefully make sure that the world also becomes a better place exactly you know and going back to the tenets of masonry where we talk about making a good man hmm. better well what is the point of making a good man better when he is already good well good is not good enough yes you know if you really want to ascend higher in life spiritually personally professionally whatever it is you have to work for it there is you know there is smart work and there is hard work but there is no replacement for hard mm. work you know right. you sometimes have to just put in those hours you have to burn that midnight oil if you really want to do a great work True. the only way to do that is to do your best and i think that's what you know brings us to this point that let's be better men and women and children <laughs> all right so you know we are coming close to the end of our episode so you know as we usually do rinesh is going to talk about some noteworthy lodges not noteworthy i'll give you two noteworthy lodges in fact but rinesh is going to give you the entire list so rinesh over yes to you. thanks uh, so part of the grand lodge of india in hyderabad city itself uh, we have the goshamal baradari we have uh, lodges which meet there they are deccan number 20 Moorland number 25 Hyderabad number 50 
Juris number 417 and Lewis number 418. Similarly, we have a lodge in Secunderabad, which is the St. John's Hall. So the lodge called the, the Mayo number 19, Ikram number 45, Raksha Sena number 162, Noshir Chanoi number 187, and AVM Lala number 462 meets in this place. We also have uh, one lodge in Warangal that is Abhay Rudra 278, and one in Nalgonda. Nilagiri 461. In Secunderabad, we also have an English lodge and a Scottish lodge. The Golconda Lodge number three two four nine meets at uh, the Saint John's Hall in Secunderabad, and also Universal Peace number one two zero eight, part of the Scottish Constitution, also meets at this place. There is one lodge in Jubilee Hills called three eight six Daylight, that also right. is in Hyderabad. So now comes uh, two lodges that I would actually like to highlight. One is. Lodge Pachas. Now Pachas means fifty. In this episode, you guys would have understood very clearly that Hyderabad has a very strong, you know, Mughal presence. Now it won't be surprising if that Mughal, you know, DNA, so to speak, would have percolated down to even masonry in one form or the other. Well, it did, in the form of Lodge Pachas. In the form of Hyderabad Pachas. Now, why is this special? Because the entire ritual is not done in English; it is done in Urdu. And to me, like someone who is coming from you know a land where we speak a mix of Hindi and Urdu, this is like a heaven. <laughs> I will be in dreamland just listening to that ritual in Urdu. What do you think, uh, Rinish? I I completely agree with respect to listening to that and being in a dreamland. Uh, and I I. Sincerely feel that you should not be attending one meeting. You should try to attend all the rituals which is possible as much as possible. So whenever you come to know, and if you obviously have the time and uh, uh, like if you can actually do that, please speak with them and find out when is their next initiation meeting. Go and attend that. When is their second uh, fellow craft passing degree meeting? Please attend that too. When is their raising meeting for the third degree? Please attend that too. And most important, if uh, uh, the installation meeting also. Now imagine there is not a single word of English being spoken by them. So, uh, and the reason, uh, and listeners, I would like to just add this thing. Right from the beginning, this lodge used to obviously work with the Urdu concept. Now, as uh, Shishir said, right, Hyderabad had a strong influence, and Urdu was one of the. Urdu is the most commonly spoken language over there, actually speaking. Now. Uh, along with obviously telugu english hindi and uh, other languages but urdu is actually predominantly spoken and i got the opportunity to attend a meeting of lodge hyderabad number 50 and i realized that even the candidate who was coming here he's like i am not that conversed in english that much i can speak obviously i can manage it i can manage with hindi obviously but urdu is my language and it doesn't matter where he is from what he is from hyderabad urdu is his language so this lodge obviously took that as an option now this lodge has a special permission from the grand lodge of india to continue their working in urdu not every other lodge actually gets that and maybe i'm not sure about this uh, uh, these are some of the uh, what you call uh, paperwork which might be required in future if somebody says that i would like to actually have a lodge only uh, with speaking only in malayalam or maybe only in marathi or maybe only in kannada or any other languages but i'm not sure about that but they wanted to definitely respect the history of that lodge and that is why when the lodge said that we obviously conduct all our rituals only in urdu grand lodge of india was more than happy to say please continue to do so you have all the permission and that's why we used obviously the word hyderabad number 
and uh, they can they they actually do this entire working in urdu which is simply amazing you will if obviously since you know your ritual and you're sitting in front of it and you're listening to that you will suddenly start oh my god that's the word for this oh this is so cool this is so nice this is so amazing but yeah but i i think words will fall short and i feel if as a freemason if you ha- if you get the opportunity to attend this lodge please do now going towards a different direction where a lodge is being progressive that is lodge daylight 386 in jubilee hills renesh you want to add more to this well as you can understand by the name itself they meet in the day hence the word daylight now why exactly that happened hyderabad actually has a strong presence of it professions and uh, one of the biggest concerns which i think some of the mace, uh, freemasons had uh, thought about right when they were thinking about a lodge or maybe uh, thinking about the numbers which they have was like there are many guys who obviously would like to become freemasons and they were approaching the lodges not deny but i think they were going back because they came they come to know that freemason lodges meet only in the evening and uh, knowing being from an it world i think shishir you know about it right there is no day there is no morning there is no night there is no evening when it comes to the it world at least in india so we, do we not are have all life <laughs> exactly and in we that time we do not have a life <laughs> that's period right we do not have a life period <laughs> so it's not non existent <laughs> exactly. so so obviously when uh, they actually came to know that some of these younger guys uh, who obviously wanted to attend uh, who wanted to become freemasons are not able to attend because of the timing because of the place or something like that this lodge idea came into focus they said let's do this let's uh, some of obviously some of these guys obviously had uh, holidays during the weekends but as most of us know that if you get in your 7 day uh, work uh, sorry 7 day in a week if i work 5 to 6 days i would like to obviously spend one day easily not move around or just like just chill just stay at home types so obviously they did not wanted to do that too so that's when this idea came a daylight lodge wherein we will meet in the morning So I think they meet around like ten or eleven in the morning. They kind of wrap up everything before uh, lunch or have lunch, and then they are obviously free because some of these IT professionals work for US companies. So obviously they try to log in a bit late so that they can have a good coverage with the US uh, with their US counterparts or uh, even with the European counterparts maybe. So that is where a law suddenly said, you know what? We need to think about what the future is all. so let's do this and i've also heard by the way uh, this lodge actually even uh, i think uh, meets at different locations or sometimes they go to different uh, various resorts wherein uh, so that they can actually bring their entire family there which is also interesting right come on think about it hey, that that's interesting you you really have something like that Oh, by the way, Shishir, I, uh, before you can move ahead, I I completely forgot about two lodges in Secunderabad, which are really interesting. Also, one is a lodge called Lodge Eagle three thirty four, which meets in Secunderabad, and Lodge three thirty five, the model. And uh, there is an Engineers Lodge in Hyderabad. Oh my God, I, how did I miss that one? Engineers Lodge again. I think the concept was to have it for uh, lodges, which for engineers who would like to obviously meet. Uh, I don't. I'm not very sure about whether they still have that, but. that was the idea at least uh, lodge eagle is actually an alumni lodge it's so think about it there is so much of common element which people actually thought about when they started something this this is interesting this is really interesting <laughs> yeah completely fascinating and you know there are lodges even in bangalore for that matter that uh, are comprised of people from you know certain kind of profession and again this is not to you know have some sort of a social segregation or bifurcation or any sort of 
you know malignant thought or kind of thing it just so happens that people felt it makes more sense for you know keeping their professional engagements and timings in mind mm. right uh like lots for doctors now they might be busy you know certain days of the week and maybe one week one day in the week they are kind of able to you know give time to masonry so they it makes more sense for them to come together and be more in sync so you know you can view it in that fashion also true i think that that's absolutely right like when i was listening about when i came to know about uh, the lodge for an alumni itself right of of a, a school right 334 eagles right i was like that's a very nice way of connecting with your old friends like imagine uh, you would have a better sweet memory or an amazing memory of your school of your college of your university and imagine you are being part of an alumni and hopefully if you most of you are obviously in the same city and imagine then the same culture the same uh, tenet which you actually have in your school or in your college then you bring it all the way to freemasonry and then spread it across wow like it just helps you to expand your horizon and become a better person and again bringing the aspect of uh, you know man being or let me say humans being a social sort of a, you know creature makes more sense mm. to you know share that bond and if you can transcend that into something higher and bigger than you like masonry then why the hell not <laughs> all right so uh, rinesh as we come towards the closure of our episode i think there are a few uh, noteworthy masons you would like to call out yes so obviously we did name some of them salar jang bahadur ashok gajapati raju which we spoke about last during our last uh, episode sir terence keys who was a british resident here raja venkat ram reddy nawab mehdi nawaz jang nawab ali yawar jang bahadur who actually became governor of gujarat and maharashtra uh, then uh, bakshi ragunath prasad sayyad mohammed pilgrimi nawab samsher jang bahadur meher ali fazil nawab bashir yar jang uh, yar yung raja rajwant bahadur and sayyad ali ali now these guys are just names maybe for most of them but people who actually know their contribution to the society will be amazed that these guys are also freemasons so please like just read about them that will actually help you out as a mason and, and i would be surprised though <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 and by the way as we were talking about all these different lodges right which meets at these places and they take out the names and all i i was i'm actually interested in some of these new lodges which has come into a lodge called juris i am sure there might be some uh, lawyers who are actually part of it a uh, lodge called lewis the lewis word actually means an uninitiated uh, son of a mason uh who is not yet joined freemasonry so i'm i'm thinking maybe that lodge actually uh takes in uh, uh sons of all freemasons who would like to obviously attend a young blood lodge we also have a lodge called 398 telangana which meets at uh, gosha mahal baradari and i'm pretty sure Tel- that word telangana obviously they thought about it because telangana as a state was being formed so they were more than happy to just like use that like the lodge's name where you come from or what your history is what all these things are something which we are proud about and we actually like to associate ourselves with it so listeners if you ever think about joining freemasonry or about a specific lodge try to understand the history in case if you are actually interested in that and you will be amazed and you will be able to like do justice to that so please think about it <laughs> and if you're petitioning to join a lodge feel free to you know um ask the lodge members about uh, their own lodge it will actually yes. strike a nice conversation because who wouldn't like to talk about it right and that way you also get to know what you're getting into it helps you understand 
where this lord is coming from and where it's going right uh so with that i think we are at the end of our episode now uh but before that i think arnish you want to give a vote of thanks yes i would like to obviously thank right worshipful brother bharat venkat ipur uh for giving me most of the uh topic about topic about the especially about regarding some of the history so thank you very much for that he actually gave me a lot of nice ideas made me ensure that i gave up a good storyline for all these things and uh, i would also like to thank worshipful brother pradeep kamath who is a historian uh, or rather who is a history buff he enjoys it and he and me when we talk about history we will just spend hours and hours into discussing these things so he is the one who got a lot of insights about the history of hyderabad how exactly certain things changed and what happened and all that so thank you to both of you for making this episode simply interesting amazing and that brings me to an important point that you know listeners putting these episodes uh involves us you know less of you know finding information on the internet but more of talking to our own brethren reaching out to people you know sometimes we don't even know whom we need to reach out to so we tend to you know make connections we ask a friend of a friend of a friend and what not so there's a lot of effort that goes into this and we really would appreciate your feedback if you think that we have misrepresented or mistakenly given wrong information we highly encourage you to reach out to us and correct us we will ensure to make that correction in our upcoming episodes and you know uh, beyond that as we go into our future episodes if there is any way you feel you could help us maybe there is someone who could help us with information regarding our upcoming episodes do let us know you know we would love to get in touch with you or with any of your contacts if if you know you're sharing that uh, with us uh, so with that where are we going next rinesh kerala ooh god's own country awesome yes now that's going to be an epic trip in itself yes yes and i know some brethren over there and i'm going to reach out to you guys if you're listening uh, to help me with some of the history of your lodges or, or some interesting anecdotes about your place that will be interesting and there is quite a bit of royal connection there too so uh, hint mm-hmm. <laughs> okay so uh, with that folks thank you so much for listening to us uh, let us know where we can improve you know improving and making oneself better is the name of the game so feel free to give us that feedback as well um with that thank you so much for listening all the very best to you bye 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 well that just about wraps it up folks we sincerely hope that you liked our episode and got a glimpse into the fascinating world of freemasonry and what better way than to hear about it from those who are the humble members of the gentle craft if you have any queries about what we shared on this episode or generally on this podcast or even about freemasonry please check out the show notes for links to the grand lords of india's website or feel free to write us an email please do look forward to the next episode